The show starts in three, two, one. There goes that man's jockstrap. <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. The In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you by Golf Kicks. Screw your shoes. Buy Canadips. Rep Sports. Buy Smooth My Balls. And buy Streamer Loot. Check out the In the League of Their Own merch line today. Welcome to the show. Let's see what Austin and Colin are diving into today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the In a League of Their Own podcast. Kicking off with today's sports fact number 79. In the 1979 World Series, the Pittsburgh Pirates became the fourth team in history to overcome a 3-1 deficit to win the title. They would win Game 7 in front of the Baltimore crowd, who had to witness their home team on the, home team on the wrong side of history. So, um, I think they the, the Orioles were last. Was it the last time the Pirates won? I know they're hot, like late seventies, early eighties. So they might have won one after seventy nine. I want to say they have. They probably won like two or three. Now that I think of it, but um, I know Bal- I think it's a that Baltimore. was their last time. Oh, that was okay. Yep, they've won it five times: nineteen oh nine, nineteen twenty five, nineteen sixty, nineteen seventy one, and then nineteen seventy nine. Okay, so they started and ended the 70s with it. Okay. I knew they were good at one point, so it would have been in the 70s then. But, but yeah, and then Baltimore, I think they were like they had they had like a 102 win season. <laughs> they were, I think they were the number one team in baseball that year. Yeah, that's an interesting stat. So yeah, uh kicking things over then to the NFL. What is the latest over there? So I'm going to talk about two things uh, here really quick. One, the brawl between the Rams and the Raiders uh, that ended practice pretty quick the other day. And then um, another fight that happened between the shit. Who was it? Cause there's been so many. I just had it. There's Raiders Rams. And then there was um... Tampa and Tennessee. Yep, Tampa, Tennessee. There was like five or six different scuffles during practice, which they ended up calling practice early anyway. So, I don't know. I like it. I like the intensity that all these people are showing up with at practice. Obviously, these joint practices, what do you expect when you're putting two players who have their livelihoods of getting paid on the line every single time that they're on the field? Obviously, shit's going to get overheated at practice with guys jawing at each other and whatnot. Now with this whole taunting thing too this year with how they're calling all those, it's pretty interesting to see what's going to happen, whether any of this heat transfers over to the regular season or if it's just going to die here. Yeah, I feel like this taunting thing is going to be very similar to the NBA uh, with their text that they're handing out left and right this year with um, again, a lot of it kind of being taunting, just like small things that, have been a part of the game for years that guys are getting texts for left and right the entire season. I have a feeling that that's kind of going to be exactly what happens in the NFL. Guys are just 
naturally born competitive. You get to the highest level that you can compete at in, in your sport. There's going to be high energy um, come a good play happens to where you torch a guy or a running back carries three or four guys on his back for a first down. Like those are moments that you're going to get fired up. You can't just expect that, that guy to turn around. Here you go, ref. And then just walk back to the huddle with no emotion. Like you're going to, destroy these guys inner like their passion for this game if they're unable to show it on the field well i know one coach has already spoken out and that was mike tomlin um talking about what he how he addressed his team and what he thinks about this and he just said don't you can still do all the same things except for don't make sure you're doing it with your teammates basically is what he said do it with your teammates towards your teammates don't do it towards the opposing player or opposing fans, stuff like that. Just celebrate with your teammates is basically all it's getting down to, which, I mean, you can respect that. The NFL's, you know, trying to clean up all that and make it a more family-friendly type of environment. So, um, you could, I feel like, yeah. At the same the, time. For some of the people, it's going to suck, you know, wanting to show up the other <laughs> player, but at the same time, you can trash talk. You just don't have to fucking, you know, act like you're pissing on the guy when he's down. Yeah. Well, at the same time, it's like, yeah, I understand how the NFL wants to adhere to a bigger audience because that make it makes them make more money if they're. It's all about the money. But at the same time, the NFL is not a family friendly sport because guess what? Last year, Dak Prescott broke his leg. That was on national television for millions of people to see. That's not something kids should see or anybody with a weak stomach should see. It's a grueling physical context where you're going to see broken fingers and limbs and blood. And if the guy doesn't hit the bleep button fast enough, you're going to hear a guy say fuck on national television. Like those are things that happen. It's grown ass men playing a contact sport. But people know that watching the sport. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Leave it as it is. Don't try to like make it more PG with less taunting and less swearing and this and that, like, I don't know. Cause especially on TV, I can see how it's more censored because it's TV, but you go into a game in person, none of that's censored. If you're like, if, if you, you can got, barely hear it too with the fans screaming. Yeah. If you're down, if you're down closer to the field, you can hear chatter on the sidelines. You can hear stuff more like, I don't know. Like I understand in the sense of, like censoring it a little bit more for TV, but like then censor it on TV, turn the camera. Like when a guy's going to taunt at somebody, turn the camera away to like a stat or a sideline or show a replay of the play. Like, I don't know. I think there's other ways to go about it than just completely eliminate it. Oh, they're not eliminating it. They just wanted the respect to be there. Yeah. Like all other sports have that too. You cross the line, you're going to get a penalty. I know in hockey, I've gotten a handful, handful of those. Yeah. Well, it sometimes depends on the... take it too far. Sometimes you just take it too far, and you know what the consequences. It all depends on the whether two minute penalty or a flag that gets thrown on the field, and it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt anything. No, I mean, yeah, you get your because taunting is a 15-year penalty it's just their due diligence of just trying to clean it up a little bit whether or not it's actually going to change anything i doubt it Mm -hmm. and every game is you're going to see at the beginning of the season probably refs calling a handful of them and then i guarantee you at some point the nfl is going to be like hey all right cool it down 
Yeah. Like just let the shit happen. Yeah. It's it's not it's not gonna change. They just had to try to make it seem like they're doing what they can to make the game more respectable. Yeah. Well, every game is going to be different too, depending on who your officiants are to where some are going to call everything. It's like pass interference or holding. Some are going to call everything. Some aren't going to call anything. Some are going to call a good amount to where some games, a guy looks at another guy the wrong way, taunting. And then you're going to see games where it looked like they're going to be full on taunting like normal and no flags are going to get thrown. It's all going to be dependent on it's the ref who, what he decides he wants to do. Yeah, and I mean, with every sport, that's that line. Do you, what, you know, they're going to have to establish that line and you follow the refs, you know, you play within, that's what the refs are supposed to do. They're supposed to set the boundaries of too much and too little and you play within the boundaries of that. You know what I mean? And that's every single sport. Every time you have an ump, every time you have a human involved in making a decision like that. There's always chance for human error, human emotion to get in the way to make a bad call, you know, all that shit. So mm-hmm. it happens. It's part of sports. And that's why I love sports is shit like that does happen. And yeah, there's a lot of people that are upset in the moment, but you all have to understand that every single person's a human. <laughs> so exactly. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I guess jumping into another point right here, then, uh, as week one approaches, the QB1 battle over in New England continues to heat up. Uh, last night in a 35-0 to zero bout, uh, route over the Eagles, Mac Jones went 13 for 19 for 146 yards, and Cam Newton went 8 for 9 for 103 yards and a touchdown. Uh, right now, a lot of sources and analysts are leaning towards, towards Cam Newton. Um, who stands out to you right now as QB1 for the Patriots? It's got to be Cam. Um, as Bill Belichick said this offseason, this is Cam's team, and it's his job basically to lose. And everybody knows Mac Jones. He was the guy out of the draft that if you wanted him to come in and learn a system and play to the system, he was the guy to do that. They picked him up for that. Clearly, they're both doing a great job. But like I said, with the experience of Cam Newton, especially – them building that team towards basically how his play style works the best. And you're seeing it work, you know, eight for nine, a hundred and something hundred yards and a touchdown or 90 something yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's a great performance from Cam Newton, you know, and he even showed off the deep ball a little bit with a couple of passes over 20 yards where if he was just dinking and dunking, you know, seven yard passes, then I would be okay. A little bit worried, you know, then, I would give the nod towards Mac, but Cam's showing that he can still compete. He can still do what he does. And you never know, maybe he can have an MVP type like season with that team built, how it kind of was built for him when he was in Carolina, when he had that. Yeah. And plus with Cam Newton, you get that extra dimension of mobility. Where's where's... Mac Jones is fast too. He ran like a what? Four, seven. Yeah, but he's pretty quick. Well, I look at Mac he's Jones. He's not known. He's just yeah. not known for running. He's known as a pocket passer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and that and that's the thing. The Patriots aren't going to pressure Mac Jones, add more stuff to the playbook for him to say, "Hey, we have designed runs for you to do." Um, I feel like the only time you're going to see Mac Jones run is uh, looking through. For his life. Yeah, first, second, third read, nothing's there. All right, time to run. Um, where Cam Newton, sometimes it's first reads, not their run, or he has designed runs, especially within like the two yard line on a, in a goal line situation. A lot of times you'll see him 
in the shotgun, take it. And then he has a running back next to him that ends up being his lead blocker. And he jumps over the top because he's six, six and just a massive dude. That's hard, super hard to bring down. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think Cam definitely still gets the QB one spot right now. Um, I feel like he kind of, I feel like he had it this whole time. Don't get me wrong. Mac Jones probably pushed him to do better in these first two preseason games and in training camp to kind of step it up a little bit, um, which is always good. You always want the guy underneath you to push you to, uh, I guess, in a different situation. You look at Green Bay with Rodgers. You have Love. You have Benekert. Neither of those guys are threatening him for that QB one position. So it's different to where, but Rogers is still Rogers. He's still going to be really good. But at the same time, if he brought, if you bring in somebody who is just a step under Rogers at, at that QB two position, Rogers probably steps up his game just a little bit more. So that makes him a little bit better. But at the same time, like I said, I'm not worried about him not doing that good, but um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens again. Also, like you said, it's Newton's position to lose. So if they start out the year rough by week five, week six, if they have a losing record and Cam's not doing well, throwing a lot of picks, um, not putting up the yards he's supposed to, then you might see Mac Jones come in um, mid-game or something to start. I wouldn't see it. I would see Belichick saying, all right, you're starting next game. I could see, all right, we're down at halftime. Jones, you're in. If you can make the comeback, then you earn that starter position. It's probably going to be one of those situations. Yeah, Bill's got a system, so I feel like, yeah. like even with Tom Brady, you know, he wasn't even supposed to – he went in because Bledsoe went down. Yeah. I feel like it's going to have to be something catastrophic where they start 0-5, you know, something – pretty catastrophic for bill to go against his plan because more times than not, his plan ends up working out. Mm-hmm. We've been looked last year, many fucking years. Dude. Yeah. Last year they had no team. Literally they had nobody on their team, Cam Newton and pretty much everybody else opted out and they did pretty decent for having nobody on their team. Then they load up on their team with all these vets and all these guys who know how to play. I mean, look out. I feel like Bill's got something up his sleeve, and I'm, I can't wait for, what is it, week three or week four when Tom, oh, when Tom comes back to town? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be very interesting. Plus, it's going to be fun to watch, too, with uh, Buffalo, their team, just being to the AFC Championship last year. It's going to be fun to see New England and Buffalo go toe-to-toe for the top spot in that division. It's definitely going to be a lot closer than it was last year. Yeah, absolutely. And then speaking of Buffalo – Chicago Bears' Justin Fields is back on the practice field, and he's healthy. He's going to face Buffalo Bills and Mitch Trubisky. So that's going to be a pretty interesting game to keep your eyes on as far as preseason goes. Um, yeah, I feel like each club's going to look at that, and kind of whoever wins is going to walk away smiling, saying, <laughs> we got you. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a revenge game for Trubisky to just let him go. And kind of how he was saying it's nice to be somewhere that you feel wanted. So um I feel like I, they'll both have good games. Yeah, I agree. I think Fields is definitely gonna have more of a test with that Buffalo defense versus the Dolphins defense that he had last week. 
So I could, so Fields is either going to struggle a little bit more or he's going to have to elevate his game a little bit more going into this week to match what he did in week one. And then Trubisky, obviously going against his old team, he's going to be um, excited to obviously try to get some good plays in, try to score a touchdown against his old team. So yeah, that'll definitely be a fun game to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last thing that I had to touch on in the NFL today is New Orleans Saints um, came out with a post all season ticket holders must have their vaccine or have negative COVID-19 uh, tests to get into every single game. Like I said, who's the, who was the first team to do that? To do what? It happened a couple of days ago. Oh, Vegas. Oh, where everybody needs to be vaccinated or a COVID-19 test. Second team right now to do that and look for this to continue to spread throughout the whole entire league. There will be full stadiums, but you're going to have to have your vaccine or you're going to have to have a negative COVID test. Which is fair. I mean. Yeah, it's fair. But I'm just saying for those people who got the vaccine and they still have COVID and they wave their little card thing and they still get in and then they spread it to all these people who don't. Yeah. So it's going to be, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I feel like either they'll find a way to have the season go as good as it can. Otherwise they could see by week three, week four, they're going to have to go back down to 7,500, 10,000 people in the stadiums. Cause there's going to be huge outbreaks that are tracing back to these stadiums. Yeah, and the last thing I had for the NFL is that the Packers released a 50s throwback uniform, which they will be wearing week seven against Washington. Uh, kind of excited to see them finally come up with a uniform like this. Uh, years ago, when they were doing the color rush on Thursday Night Football, this is kind of the uniform I was hoping they'd do instead of the all, like, frosted white uniforms. Um, that's like, it's green pants, green jersey, and then the uh, yellow helmet, so... Uh, I think it looks pretty cool. I know some people think it kind of looks ugly, but I mean, at the same time, you look at the Packers history, even though, like their Acme colors like that gold and blue, like I didn't really care for those either. So this is definitely a step up from that, but definitely looking forward to that week seven. That'll be cool to see. Absolutely. I, I loved them. I loved them. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I really wonder when the NFL is going to get back to something like doing a, another color rush type of year. Yeah. Well, that's a thing is teams ba- basically still do a color rush, but they just do They like, you'll see. They come up with their own jersey. They, um, yeah. So every team has a Thursday night game. Basically each team, like it's kind of just like a, an unwritten rule that teams will wear an alternate jersey on Thursday night football. So even though they don't call it a color rush anymore, usually teams will wear, like you'll see the Seahawks wearing their uh, neon green pants and jerseys. You'll see the Cardinals wearing all black. You'll see probably, I'm trying to think of other teams that do like the all one color for Thursday Night Football. Yeah, like I said, watch Thursday Night Football this year and you'll see your team probably wearing a different color scheme than they usually do. Yeah, I'm... I think it's awesome. Like you said, it's been a long time coming for the Packers to do something like this. And yeah. I think I might have to cop one of those jerseys. Yeah, they look pretty sick. They do. I, I, I like them. So, yeah, then uh, jumping over to the NBA, uh, 
what you got over there? So first thing that I have in the NBA is Kevin Durant. Um, after he just came out on Wednesday with that aired thing with Draymond Green, now is aiming to destigmatize marijuana use with professional athletes and athletes just in general. Um, he signed. He announced a partnership and sponsorship deal with the cannabis marketplace Weed Maps on Thursday, and he plans to use this platform, like I just stated earlier, to destigmatize marijuana use among athletes. Um, he's been an advocate for this for a long time now, speaking on how helps recovery and just helps a whole much, whole bunch of different things. And if it's regulated and it's, you know you know what you're getting and you're not getting some fake stuff where people are putting shit in, you know, if you're doing it the safe way, why shouldn't you be able to do it? And um, yeah, marijuana still in the NBA is banned, but exists in a decriminalized gray area. Uh, there's random tests still during the years. And there's a lot of representatives, I guess, every single day who are continuing to meet with the NBA's like board of directors to see if, it could be taken off the list of banned substances. So that's the first thing I have. I thought that's awesome. Um, I know a handful of leagues already are getting with the times. I know the NHL doesn't give two shits anymore. Um, I don't, I really don't understand why any contact sport in general, where it's, whether it's contact on your knees, your feet, whatever, it helps with the inflammation and so many other different things. So I'm, I'm behind Kevin Durant on that. Yeah, it's cool to see that one of the faces of the NBA is taking the initiative on it. So obviously the ball is going to get rolling that much faster to where he has, he knows the people, he has the resources, he has the money behind him to make it happen. So um, yeah, great to see that. And then the only point that I had for the NBA today is that uh, LeBron James, uh, tweeted about receiving zero votes in the offseason vote for best players going into the next season. Um, Kevin Durant and Giannis got all the number, all the first place votes, um, which I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I understand, I can understand. Yeah. They tied and that's how it should be. Yeah. Like, I mean, I understand LeBron, any player, if, any player on that court, if they don't think they're the best player out there, then they don't deserve to be out there. Um, whether you're a bench player or whether you're an all-star, like you have to, you have to have the mindset that I'm the best player out here. So I can see where he's coming from with that. But at the same time, he has to realize that there's players. Oh, he respects that, it. He yeah. respects it. But you like what you just said, he's got to, you have to, you know, especially with the platform that he has. Mm-hmm where people, I forgot how many fucking million people follow him on Instagram, but it's an absurd amount where people are constantly waiting to see what he's doing, what he's got to say, what all this. So I'm not surprised by that either. You know, just like you said, if, if you don't not expecting to be the best when you're out there, you don't deserve to be out there. So yeah. I'm yeah, not shocked it. by it. But yeah, I think it was well-deserving for Durant and Giannis to be tied for it. Honestly, I, I Giannis had obviously the championship season, the, the finals MVP, but Durant probably had is more talented. So I could see where that kind of like, uh, it's hard to give one, the upper hand Giannis won a title and got finals MVP, but Durant's kind of a better player. So we'll just have him tie this year. So. 
If I would have, it would have been fifty-one forty-nine Durant. Yeah. If if it came down if it if it came down to it, yeah, I would give Durant the slight edge just because he is a a better player. But this past year, going off accolades and who won what, obviously you got to have Giannis in that conversation too. Yeah, that's all I had for the NBA. So whatever else. The only reason I'd give it to Durant is because he pretty much was by himself. Yeah, that's and almost took him all the way. That's the thing. He shouldn't have been by himself. So that's, you know, that's the big question mark that everybody will always ask is. Or if you just have a shoe size smaller. Because James Harden said, nobody can beat us if all three of us are 100% healthy. And that's what all, th- I guess James Harden and Kyrie are both focusing on getting their bodies back to in the best shape of their life so that this next season they can go for it the full way. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be interesting to see. They're going to be a really good team if they can do that. Same thing with Blake Griffin. He's been kind of on he's the older, fe- yeah. He's been, been and he's been dealing with injuries. So if he can put together one more healthy year, he's another guy, another big guy. So you got four All Star level guys um, on that team together. Yeah, it's a matter if they can stay healthy. The as much as you put that asterisk next to their team for this the past year of well, if they were healthy, it's like, well, guess what? They weren't. So you, you could say if they were healthy that they would have went on and won it, but at the same time, they weren't. So it is what it is. It is what it is. That's right. Yeah, if you had anything else for the NBA, that the LeBron thing was the only thing I had to bring up. No, nothing, nothing really else worth mentioning um, to me. I guess I'll just Looking over here, there's a couple signings I'll quick throw out there that happened on the last 24 hours. The Boston Celtics uh, agreed to a four-year, $54 million extension with Robert Williams. Um, Hamadou Delio, uh, Delio, sorry, I don't know if if that's how you pronounce that, but he returns to the Pistons on a two-year, $10.4 million deal. And then the last one, Terry Rozier agrees to a four-year, $97 million extension with the Hornets. So, um, yeah, those are all the really the signings to mention that happened uh, in the last couple of days here. Again, uh, the Summer League just wrapped up. Uh, pre or Preseason basketball is about a month away, and uh, I think second week of October is the first regular season game. So, uh Football is right around the corner, and then as soon as football gets back in full swing, basketball will be back, and then shortly after that, hockey will be back. So, 20 days for the NFL. So, yeah, then uh, jumping over to the MLB here, um, last night after being up 4-2, to two, the Brewers fall to the Cardinals 8-4. to four. Uh, They did win the series 2-1, to one, though, overall. So, um, at this point of the season, so long as you're winning series, that's all you can ask for. Uh, this weekend, they will have a series against the Nationals back in Milwaukee. Um, I'll actually be going to the game tomorrow afternoon, so excited to go to that. Uh, the Phillies are slipping now. Uh, as just a week ago, they're at the top of the NL East and now have suffered a series sweep from the Diamondbacks. So um, I know the Phillies are kind of right there to where they're almost going to have to uh, win the division, obviously, with the NL West, with the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. Basically, one team's going to win the division, and the other two are going to be the wild cards. So, uh, for everybody else, it's either win your division or you're out right now. 
Uh, last night, Shohei Otani hits his 40th home run of the year, uh, leading the league. Uh, I think he's got a five home run league over. Um, uh, I can't remember who was in second. I, ha- I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. Uh, and he also pitched eight innings last night in a three to one win over the Tigers. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays keep a five-game lead over the Yankees in a 7-2 win over the Orioles, and the Orioles are now up to a 15-game losing streak. And then lastly, the woman that was requesting a restraining order against Trevor Bauer was denied as verbal and physical evidence shows that um, the supposed abuse that happened to her that night was all consensual and um like I said, through ver- verbalization and through text messages, it was all consensual. So um, for the time being, it looks like Trevor Bauer is kind of in an okay spot with this whole thing going on. And he uh, was not expected to speak at this hearing either to uh, say he was guilty or not guilty. He's just kind of, I don't, I don't even know if he was there for, he was there for the first day because he had to be for the restraining order, but the rest of it, I think just his representatives are there. So um, yeah, again, every, it seems like every day more and more information is coming out about that. So um, hopefully on Monday we have more to talk about that. Yeah. And then all I have to add in on uh, baseball is the, just the race in the NL getting really tight as the Dodgers are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, currently on a win nine of their last, they've won nine of their last 10 currently on a seven game win streak right now. If the playoffs were to start today, it'd be San Francisco, Milwaukee, Atlanta, the Dodgers, and it would be the Padres, but only because they have a one they have one more game played than the Cincinnati Reds. So technically they're tied. So if the Cincinnati Reds win one, the Reds actually will be in as the second wild card. Hmm. Padres have been struggling. They're yeah. a three, three game losing streak. Damn. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then all the AL Central is on a losing streak right now. Wow. Yep. So, yeah, that's all I had to touch on on baseball. All right. Uh, over to the NHL then. Um, just a couple things here in the NHL. Um, not a whole lot. City of Glendale terminates their contract with the Arizona Coyotes at Gilaya River Arena lease after the season. So long talks, um, this has been in talks for probably the last six years. They've been on a year-by-year deal lease with the city of Glendale. Um, A lot of people are hoping that they make a downtown move to like Scottsdale or some bigger city because their location right now is kind of outside of the city. So people got to travel out kind of in the middle of nowhere to get to their games. So they're hoping that they can either get a building or build a stadium um, near downtown um, at some point coming up here in the near future. Austin Matthews is the cover athlete of NHL 22. This is the second time uh, he's had it in three years, which I'm kind of surprised that EA Sports did that, but that's what they decided to do. And then um, my last point on the NHL, I'm going to save that for the Feel Good Friday. All right. 
How did they not put McDavid on the cover, especially if Matthews he's was just on, on it? One, he's been on one already. Oh. Yeah, then that's tough, I guess. If your best <laughs> Matthews and McDavid are your, be- your two players that you go in between, and they've probably been on the cover the last – because was McDavid on it last year? Uh, no. I think he- last year was – oh, my God. I just deleted it. I think it actually – I think it was McDavid last year. Yeah, I think it, I think was. it was. McDavid last year. Ovechkin maybe the year. Let me look. Yeah, Ovechkin. No, Ovechkin was last year. Yeah, Ovechkin was 21, and then I think uh, McDavid was 20. And then Matthews must have been 19 if he's getting it again this year. Hold on a second here. All the way back from 95. So last yep, last season was Ovechkin. 19 was Austin Matthews. 18 was PK Subban. 17 Con- well, NHL 18, Connor McDavid. So NHL 17 was Vladimir Tarasenko. NHL 15 was none. It was a Stanley Cup edition. 16 was Jonathan Taves on Chicago. 15 was Patrice Bergeron from Boston. 14, Martin Broder, his last season. 13, Claude Giroux. And then, yeah, Steven Samp goes Gretzky, Taves, Kane. And then you go all the way back to when they started doing it hmm. in 91. Yeah. Okay, PK Subban. Yeah, that, that's who. I think that was the first NHL I played was 19. I wish I would have kept them all, dude, and I would have had them all. But yeah, it was interesting how they <laughs> didn't pick somebody else, especially there's so many young fucking players in the league. Yeah. You think that they'd have. Do they, they don't do like a. Like 2K does with the different editions, do they? With like the legacy edition and like, uh, they did when they did. They had Wayne Gretzky on one, and then they had a Stanley Cup edition, um, a couple years ago. That was, I don't know. Yeah, they do every once in a while. It's not every season that they do that though. Oh. All right then. Um. Since it is Friday, we'll end the show here with our Feel Good Friday stories. So go ahead and kick us off. All right. My Feel Good Friday story is that goaltender Henrik Lundqvist has retired from the NHL, um, ending his 15 years career here in the NHL. And what a phenomenal career that he's had. Uh all-time stats, he's played 887 games. He started 871. He's 459 and 310 with 96 overtime games, 25,610 shots against, 2,101 goals against, average goals against per game, 2.43, save percentage, 0.918. 64 shutouts and 51,817 minutes played in the NHL. He was drafted in the year 2000 in the seventh round 
um, the eighth pick by the New York Rangers, 205th overall. So mm-hmm. what a hell of a career for him. Um, yeah, I can't believe that he actually retired. Um, I don't, I'm looking up really quick. I know he was in a final. I don't remember if they won it or not. Nope, that's right. They lost game seven to the Kings when they won. So, uh, yeah, he only made it to the Stanley Cup finals one time on the New York Rangers team. And then I'm just going to quickly read here his post that he uh, posted out on Twitter yesterday. And, yeah, then I'll pass it over to you. He starts it off with, it's time. For the last 30 years, I have devoted my life to the game of hockey, and now it's time to walk away from the game I love and begin a new chapter. The future excites me. I've met so many amazing people over the years that I, that will help to guide and inspire me in my new journey. There are many things I love about this game, from the excitement I felt as an eight-year-old at my first practice to the 15 years of butterflies I had every time I took the ice in the greatest city in the world. I'm extremely grateful for what hockey has brought me and taught me in life. These lessons will never leave me. Thank you to all the coaches and players that helped me throughout my career. Thank you to Swedish hockey from growing up and playing in Sweden to ultimately representing my country on the world stage. There are some of my proudest moments. Thank you, New York Rangers in New York City. I'm a born Swede, but I will always feel like a New Yorker. Thanks to you. Thank you, NHL. This league was everything I dreamed of and more. Lastly, thank you to the game of hockey and its fans. You gave my life purpose and have loved every single minute of it. Thank you all. And now he is walking away into retirement with a boatload of money. So (laughs) hell of a career to Henrik Lundqvist on that deal. And yeah, that's all I got to say. Sounds good. Yeah, for my Feel Good Friday story, um, it's not old news. It's something we kind of talked about in the past, but it kind of resurfaced in the past couple of days. Uh, And just weeks after the Olympic Games had finished, Simone Biles was asked about the way things unfolded in her 2020 Olympic experience. Um, She went back to say that she was happy that things turned out the way they did and that she has no regrets after withdrawing from five of her six events. she decided to use this attention on herself to shine light on mental health. And she has received a lot of uh, a load of support from other athletes to stand up and do what she did on the world stage. Again, at just 24 years old, she um, has kind of took it on, upon herself to go do the, go do this basically on her own. She doesn't really have a, obviously she has teammates and family members to support her behind all this, but essentially gymnastics even though it's a team sport it's an individual sport so obviously she had to make this decision on her own um so yeah again great to see that uh it kind of seems like as reporters and stuff keep prodding at her trying to get her to probably crack and say something she just keeps uh staying true to what she did and what she said and again she has nothing to prove to anybody so um and i think this either this week or sometime this month, she's going on a, a goat over gold uh, tour across the country uh, doing uh, gymnastics with um, some by herself, so picking up some of her U.S. teammates along the way, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, great to see that she's doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Both of those are really cool moments. 
but yeah, that's all I had for today. Um, again, there's uh, preseason football. Uh, there was a game last night. There's two more games tonight. And then the rest of them Saturday. And I think there's one on one or two on Sunday as well. So um, getting past that halfway point and then next week will be the last games. And then um, there's that long two week wait, uh, week wait until uh, week one. So it's only one this year, I believe. No, it's because it's the last game is the 29th. And then the first game is until the 12th. So that's two weeks. Yeah, the last preseason game is is August 31st, Sunday, or no, Sunday, August 29th, and then the first game is September 9th. So yeah, that's like a week and a half for the first game, and then it's about two weeks for Sunday. Season. So... It's gonna it's gonna feel like a longer way just because there isn't a fourth game. If there was a fourth game, it usually goes week back to back weekends of you have your last game on like Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and then you have your first game that following Sunday. But since they don't have their fourth game, it's like oh extra half week to week break for these teams. Which is probably a good thing for them to especially having that extra game this season, having only one bye week and having to play 17 games. I'm sure they're all going to enjoy that extra handful of days off before the grind starts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, yeah. Well, thank you everyone for stopping by. Um, we appreciate all the love and support we've been getting uh, over this last month. It's continuing to help us do a better job and continue to uh, really continue to love doing what we're doing. Um, yeah, so don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to YouTube and then all of our other social media platforms that are in the description link below. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just give us a five-star rating. Doesn't matter why. You can tell them that we told you to. And uh, yeah, it's been a great week, everyone. And we hope you guys enjoy your weekend and we will be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.